Mark Iskowitz, Executive Editor of MM, and welcome to the MM Podcast and to the fourth of our series called Marketers at Home, where we look at how healthcare marketers are adjusting to COVID 19. I hope you're well and staying safe during this difficult time. The last episode in this new podcast series, which aired May 14, looked at digital medicine's post-COVID value proposition and specifically how various aspects of market access for digital therapeutics are being transformed in the wake of coronavirus. You can access that on our website or anywhere you get your podcasts. Today we're going to do something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and that's delve into the diagnostic side with my special guest Deepak Nath, president of Lab Diagnostics for Siemens Health and Ears. It wasn't long after COVID-19 revved up earlier this year that the diagnostic aspect of the virus was thrust into a national and global spotlight. Things like PCR, reagents, and nasal swabs became fodder for kitchen table discussion. Now, as the country begins the long process of reopening, body testing is getting more attention. That spotlight isn't fading, but it's getting even more intense. So I want to welcome you, Deepak, to this uh, sort of quarantine version of the MMNM podcast. How are you? Great. Uh, Mark, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be uh, on your program. Sure. Great. It's great to speak with you. I'm uh, taping from my uh, from my attic in North Jersey. It's not quite as state-of-the-art, as I like to say, as our uh, NYC podcasting studio, but it'll have to do for now. How about you? Where are you uh, situated? Yeah, outside of New York is where we're based, uh, Mark, uh, in Tarrytown, New York. Are you back in the office? Not yet. We'll hear more from Deepak in a moment. First, some housekeeping items. Uh, you may have noticed that uh, MMNM moved up its Agency 100 issue from July to June. Uh, so now you can uh, register for free to get all of that content, uh, not only the top 100 profiles, uh, but the top 100 revenue table, which includes 2019, 2018 revenues, uh, staff counts, uh, plus the agency family tree, uh, and a whole lot more uh, on, the, on the website right now. Uh, we like to think that it's the most definitive guide to the 100 biggest medical marketing agencies in North America and the landscape as a whole. Uh, coming up June 25th is the next installment in uh, MMM's popular Convene virtual event series. It's called MMM Convene COVID-19 Crisis Control, What's Next for the Healthcare Industry. On that webcast, myself, Editor-in-Chief, Editor-in-Chief, excuse me, Stephen Madden, and Senior Editor Larry Dobrow will be surveying a host of topics of keen interest to marketers during the pandemic recovery process from AI to the future of the pharma rep visit. Uh, and then about a month later on July 23rd, uh, we'll be convening something we call the MMM Online Expo, which is a full day of content, social sharing, speaker panels, and more, uh, all meant to address how our industry is adapting and embracing the rapidly changing healthcare landscape. You can register for both of those events, the uh, June 25th convened crisis control webcast and the July 23rd online expo on the site. And finally, uh, this week we'll be launching another MMM social initiative, so stay tuned for that. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program with special guest Deepak Nath. First, you know, how, how are you managing during COVID, uh, Deepak? Uh, just like everyone else uh, on the planet, Mark, just trying to adapt to uh, a new uh, new reality and trying to uh, keep our um, our business going. Uh, while ensuring and doing our best to keep uh, our employees safe, uh, be, uh, being part of the diagnostics industry, uh, we are uh, in the middle of uh, thrust into the middle of the spotlight now, and we've got a, 
role to play uh, in fighting this pandemic. And even if uh, we're uh, doing our best to keep everyone safe, also stepping up um, to answer uh, what I see as a societal need uh, to, uh, to fight this pandemic. Um, I wanted to back up so, so people know, after earning your, your PhD in theoretical mechanics at Berkeley, and you were at uh, McKinsey before moving on to Amgen and then to the MedTech side with Abbott and finally Siemens. I was just curious, when did you decide that you preferred specifically the diagnostics area to pharma? You know, I, it wasn't for me so much a choice of um, diagnostics versus pharma. I had always uh, had an interest on the med tech side. Uh, having an engineering background, I saw the potential uh, to apply, uh, you know, the the methods, the techniques of uh, of engineering and mathematical sciences into into medicine, and that's what intrigued me about uh, that particular aspect of healthcare and. Um, as I made the transition from Amgen into Abbott, I had the opportunity to uh, uh, to get into the medtech area of Abbott, particularly on the cardiovascular side. So uh, it really came down to a, a way to apply different strands of my experience, my technical, my consulting background, uh, and the various parts um, before that. I was just going to ask uh, you to, to talk a little bit more about um, your time at Abbott and uh, the, uh, the types of cardiovascular devices that you were uh, working with there? Sure thing. I spent uh, about a decade um, at Abbott. Uh, I'd say a little over half that time uh, was spent on the cardiovascular side. We had a variety of roles um, in marketing and in commercial general management, where I spent time in Europe uh, running uh, various uh, parts of our businesses there. And uh, then I came into the diagnostics for the first time uh, in my career where I ran a, a business unit called Ibis Biosciences, which is a company that Abbott had acquired in 2009 in pathogen identification and de- detection and identification. And uh, did that and then uh, progressed into uh, being president of our uh, Abbott's molecular diagnostics business. Uh, and from there, I uh, became president of Abbott's uh, vascular business, uh, leading that uh, worldwide based in Santa Clara. And uh, uh, in that role, uh, was a senior executive officer of the um, of the company. So uh, a long career uh, in that and uh, combination of devices and uh, diagnostics. It's fair to say that Siemens uh, is all in on COVID-19. And I mean that in the most respectful way. The company offers both PCR and antibody testing both of which operate on a lab platform. So your, your tests can detect both the presence of the virus and a patient's immune response. And you also manufacture a broad diagnostic portfolio to aid in the prognosis, treatment, and follow-up of patients with the virus. So this you know shows a pretty comprehensive commitment to uh, arming HCPs with the information they need, um, as well as supply and demand. You know, you're shipping a two and a half million um, molecular PCR tests per month uh, worldwide, and you have plans to produce more than 50 million antibody tests per month as the pandemic evolves. Can you just talk about how, um, you know, this pandemic has kind of galvanized Siemens as a company to respond to this gigantic societal need? Yeah, it's, these are uh, very special times. And as the, as the outbreak uh, happened, progressed to a, a epidemic and into a pandemic, we found ourselves uh, with a product portfolio that was uh, very appropriate for uh, playing a role in various parts of um, of, of of COVID and responding to uh, to this uh, to this pandemic. On the imaging side, we have uh, our, 
portfolio of products, uh, you know, particularly with CT and with ultrasound and X-ray products, uh, which play a role in in the diagnosis um, and and also as uh, in the care of patients with COVID. On the diagnostic side, as you mentioned. Uh, we have portfolio products uh, on the molecular side with the PCR test with our FTD family of products. Uh, and on the laboratory diagnostic side, uh, we saw an opportunity to step up to create um, and develop a set of uh, assays on our three major platforms uh, that we have in laboratory diagnostics uh, to bring forward antibody tests that we saw would play an important role as the pandemic evolves. So that was a development program and that we started from scratch, just like we did uh, the PCR test. And then third, you mentioned a portfolio of tests uh, that we um, that have found uh, increasing relevance in the care of COVID patients, particularly acute patients. Uh, and we have a portfolio of products on the coagulation side and, and uh, uh, on the inflammatory uh, marker side that uh, or play, play an important role in this disease, and we're able to produce those and maintain continuity of supply uh, to ensure that patients who are in an ICU or another acute setting um, uh, are, are, get the test that they need in order to aim uh, arm clinicians uh, to make, make appropriate treatment decisions. And finally, with our blood gas products, um, we have a somewhat differentiated position in being able to, uh, to assess blood gas, including oxygenation levels of patients in, a, in an ICU uh, or other acute care setting. So we found ourselves with a portfolio of uh, products and technologies and platforms uh, that had the potential to play uh, a, a very important role in the fight of this pandemic. And we, uh, recognizing that, rose to the challenge in investing to ensure supply uh, of the products, that we, existing products that we had on the market and to ramp up production. In some cases, for example, ramping up significantly our production of blood cast products up to three times, actually. Um, and then uh, to put in place the development programs to bring forward the tests necessary, whether on the detection side, the PCR, uh, or with the monitoring of disease progression with the antibody side. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a, quite a commitment. Uh, you know, talking about antibody tests, uh, you've um, you made the point that that not all antibody tests are created equal, uh, which is kind of a subtle way of saying that there are some differentiation points there. Uh, and you know, we've we've talked about the societal need now and and the and the pandemic that's going on. Um, just curious, you know, what kinds of how do you market in the, in this environment? You know, what are the, some of the differentiation points that you stress for your tests, and and what kind of tone have has Siemens taken? In its messaging. Uh, first of all, it's important uh, for us all um, to recognize that we're all uh, learning uh, almost in real time um, together. Um, there's um, this is a coronavirus, and uh, we've, we have, as a, as a field, studied other coronaviruses. But even uh, comparing uh, to other coronaviruses, this this virus is doing uh, unusual things, um, and uh, we are learning just like everybody else um, in the field. So it's important to know uh, that uh, we are one part um, of a pretty broad uh, enterprise, whether it's commercial or. Uh, scientific or academic or, or, or the other parts of industry. Um, so uh, we want to make sure that we, um, we don't overstate um, our, our, our presence there. Uh, secondly, uh, as it pertains to the antibody tests um, in particular, uh, there's much that we're learning about the response 
uh, or, the, or the impact of the virus on the body, and in particular, the antibody uh, response uh, and the immune response of the body. And we take great care to emphasize what is known and what isn't um, yet known um, uh, about, uh, about the body's response. For example, um, we know that um, typically a time frame over which uh, this virus triggers a, a response, antibody response in the body. Uh, and we know that in general at this point, uh, patients um, who, uh, who have antibodies seem to be at lower risk of recontracting the disease. However, what isn't known is whether um, there's any immunity that's conferred. And if it is, how long that immunity lasts. So in our marketing, uh, we take great care uh, to emphasize um, the, un the unknowns. And as we looked at marketing the test itself, we find ourselves having to educate uh, various stakeholders, be they um, public health officials, uh, you know, politicians, um, uh, you know, the, the laboratory uh, professionals or clinicians around uh, what our test actually does, uh, what's the, how it's designed, what it actually um, detects and the various performance characteristics. So for example, um, we talk about in the design uh, of our assay, um, we have chosen uh, the spike protein, uh, in particular the S1 uh, receptor binding site uh, as the basis for the design of our assays. And we chose it uh, because um, uh, the studies show that it's the antibodies, the neutralizing antibodies are those that are related to the spike protein. And we felt that an assay that detected those particular neutralizing antibodies uh, would play an important role at uh, yeah, various stages of the pandemic, including uh, uh, after a vaccine uh, is developed. So we take care to emphasize that important um, design choice. The second aspect is the quality. Uh, and, and here, as far as diagnostic tests are concerned, the key measures of those are uh, the sensitivity and specificity uh, of the test. And here, there, there's uh, sensitivity and specificity are measured at different time points. Um, uh, you know, when the blood is drawn, uh, a common reference that's used is 14 days, <clears throat> excuse me, after a PC, PCR positive confirmation test. And at that time point, our assay has demonstrated 100% sensitivity and 99.8% specificity. And that's very important. And we point that out in our marketing materials and also point out that the high level of specificity in combination with high sensitivity is important, especially when you're testing uh, uh, patients when the level of prevalence of disease is relatively low. Um, and there it's even more important to have a highly uh, specific test uh, or a test with high specificity in order to maximize the positive predictive value um, of that test. So coming back to answer your question, Mark, uh, in our marketing materials, we take care to, um, to acknowledge that we are part of a multifaceted effort. Um, we take care to uh, shed light on what is known about the virus and its impact on the body and more importantly, what the unanswered questions are. And as we uh, talk about the features and benefits of our particular assay, we emphasize the quality, we emphasize the choice of design, the, the, the receptor that we have chosen, uh, and the fact that uh, uh, we have a long track record um, as, uh, as Siemens Healthineers for the largest uh, installed base in the United States. We have uh, 550 assays that have been cleared by the FDA. So we have a long track record of bringing quality products to the market, and we make sure that uh, um, that Auraris 
stakeholders to understand that as they make their choices. Sure, sure. So, yeah, when you're, and you're talking to, uh, you know, uh, lab um, administrators um, and people making those buying decisions uh, in, in the labs, and it's, it's very much sounds like a very much of a, of a heavy emphasis on features, benefits, and you know, data driven approach uh, to to um, to get get your point across. Yeah, and what's important, Mark, also in this pandemic, we're finding that we're having to talk to a broader stakeholder group than just lab um, directors, which, of course, we're used to calling on and, and having conversations with. Uh, in addition, um, we're spending quite a bit of time educating, uh, I would say, those in the political sphere uh, tasked with making policy decisions. Uh, we're also ta- spending time talking with public health uh, officials. Not that we're not doing that, or we weren't doing that before. We find that uh, as we're all learning um, together and there's uh, all different um, actors that have an important role to play in, uh, in the fight against this pandemic, we find ourselves spending time educating our uh, type of stakeholders that we don't, didn't usually spend time talking about features and benefits of, pro- of a particular test. Sure, that, that that's really fascinating. Um, you know, considering that uh, you know you've got to do all the usual uh, promotion and communication and education uh, to um, stake, traditional stakeholders around your products, plus you know this new broader uh, stakeholder group, you know, in, in public health and, and 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 you know policymakers and that sort of thing. Um, have you found uh, has has Siemens found that it needs to um, expand, you know, its marketing initiatives. Um, and uh, would, would you mind touching on, you know, you, say your plans over the next six months, say, are you, are you planning any big marketing initiatives around the testing area? Uh, what we are uh, doing, Mark, is we've recognized that there's a need um, for education. Uh, there's a great need for education about the role of testing. And it's not just antibody testing, but the role of testing in general. Uh, in our collective efforts to fight this pandemic. Um, and, and then uh, a role uh, and, and our, the need to fight, educate various stakeholders on the differences um, between the, the different types of tests. And then uh, obviously uh, specific, uh, about one type of test or one test versus another within a particular category. So there's different levels of need uh, that we've identified. And it was fair to say, as we look forward over the next several months, uh, we are going to have a, a need to have a thoughtful, uh, multi-channel, multi-stakeholder uh, education uh, efforts uh, in order to make sure uh, uh, the various stakeholders understand um, uh, different aspects of, of the fight against this pandemic. So it's fair to say, Mark, that uh, uh, it's a broader set of initiatives uh, around education than, than perhaps we've had to do in the recent past as a company. Sure, sure. Uh, let's just uh, you know talk a little bit about antibody testing's role uh, as the economy reopens. You know, as, as various states lift their stay-at-home orders, people are returning to the workplace, and, and kids. Some kids are returning to school. Uh, antibody testing has taken on more importance. You know, that WHO guidance saying that uh, at this point, at that point of the pandemic, rather, uh, there wasn't enough evidence about the effectiveness of antibody-mediated immunity to guarantee the accuracy of an immunity, quote unquote, immunity passport or quote unquote, risk-free certificate. Um, however, the authors uh, writing in the New England Journal of Medicine shortly after that responded to that saying that um, you know, it's wrong to suggest that we cannot guarantee the accuracy of the immunity certification process uh, and that we, we shouldn't ask caregivers to wait for 
incontrovertible evidence. You know, we often have to make decisions based on less than perfect evidence. I was just curious um, if you could uh, address Deepak. What, what do you say when uh, healthcare uh, providers or, or, or caregivers uh, ask you about you know whether antibodies confer immunity? Uh, what we have to say t- is today we don't have incontrovertible evidence that says uh, presence of antibodies uh, equals immunity uh, or what number or level of antibodies um, uh, actually confer immunity and if, if it does, uh, how long that immunity lasts. So um, we acknowledge that, that is, that's not where we are today. However, uh, there is evidence to suggest um, that the presence of antibodies um, in patients uh, does lower the risk of uh, patients uh, recontracting the disease. And that's important when we highlight um, uh, studies that, that point that out. Second, the role of the antibody test uh, is several fold. First, um, when uh, this connect- connection between antibody presence and immunity is established, uh, having a serological laboratory-based test is the uh, way to assess uh, immunity. Uh, so that's clear. But while that's being established, there's several other roles that we see. One is uh, just, uh, as I mentioned, trying to understand if there has been higher exposure um, to the virus and therefore some sort of an antibody response is important. The data point around presence of antibody in an individual patient does provide clinicians a useful data point that can be pieced together uh, along with other um, clinical um, uh, uh, information. Second, it is um, a, an adjunct test to PCR tests. And of course, PCR tests uh, detect active in- infection in individuals. Uh, however, PCR tests for this virus are based on uh, a swab uh, type of sample, a swab or saliva increasingly. Uh, these are sample types that are known um, to be uh, uh, problematic or unreliable um, in many instances. Um, and in particular, uh, a negative PCR test um, you know, can be uh, problematic at times because of uh, the, uh, the known challenges with swab as a sample type. And so when it's uh, super critical um, to be able to confidently confirm a negative, a serological test can provide uh, clinicians with an added degree of confidence when administered, you know, together with a uh, PCR test. So that's the second role uh, that we see for an antibody test. The third is epidemiological, which is to assess prevalence of uh, this uh, this virus or this disease uh, in a population, so that appropriate policy decisions or public health decisions can be made at a population level. And the fourth is um, to uh, assess uh, uh, a patient's uh, antibody response uh, when uh, an antibody or convalescent plasma-based treatments come to market uh, and to assess effectiveness of vaccines uh, after a vaccine uh, comes to market is an important role, but that's farther out as the pandemic evolves. So I wanted to come back and, uh, uh, and, and emphasize that, uh, yes, an important role of an antibody test is about determining uh, immunity, but there are other roles that uh, a, a serological antibody test can play, as I've uh, highlighted, and I, we do take care to, uh, to point that out to, uh, uh, to various stakeholders. By 
taking that approach of, you know, um, it's a, a very good option in, in that it, it, sh it can show the, uh, or confer a, a level of um, uh, ability to, to mitigate the risk, uh, so to speak. Um, it seems like if, it, if the option is available uh, and, and currently currently we have it, why not use it? So that, that makes sense, makes perfect sense. I was, I was hoping we could just shift gears for a moment um, and touch a bit on some of the issues with serologic testing, um, not issues that, uh, that Siemens has been involved with, uh, but other manufacturers. Um, uh, in mid-March, the FDA began allowing developers of serologic assays um, to self-validate their products and bring them to market. The agency asked the companies to ship tests with a disclaimer that they had not undergone regulatory review and should not be used to make diagnoses without other evidence. However, within weeks, the policy had caught the attention of the House Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy, which wrote to the FDA and the CDC to raise concerns about the accuracy and promotion of antibody tests. Uh, there was a hearing, um, and the agency um, has uh, since revised its approach, and I think recognized that that hands-off approach to antibody test regulation led to some unintended consequences. Even though these weren't issues or problems that involved Siemens. I was wondering if you could comment, Deepak, a little bit about, um, you know, the need to, um, uh, you know, the, the issues that were raised here about um, in, uh, improper promotion of antibody tests and the need to, you know, ensure um, that, that um, you know, everybody's being a good public citizen, corporate citizen, so to speak, and, and making sure that, you know, before tests are allowed on the market and promoted, certainly, uh, that they have the necessary uh, accuracy. You know, Mark, I uh, obviously wouldn't want to comment on uh, competitor, uh, competitor's product offerings. What I would say, as Siemens Halpineers, we do support uh, FDA's um, efforts to, to bring um, and, and uh, to market uh, quality products uh, that uh, meet a certain standard. Um, in terms of evidence. And obviously, as the uh, pandemic broke, it was important to ensure uh, that there were uh, appropriate tools available for, uh, for clinicians as they made decisions for patients. Um, but uh, I would say as a company, we um, are supportive uh, of the efforts to, um, uh, to bring forward uh, quality products to market. And that's what we're focused on as a company. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, um, PCR test uh, from Siemens um, got an uh, emergency use, use authorization from the FDA on, on May 5th. Um, and the um, antibody test, get um, a regular license or was that approved under uh, an EUA as well? Uh, th that was approved under EUA as well. And so we uh, have um, uh, not just one test, um, but we have tests available on our three of our major uh, platforms, actually four, if you include the variants, uh, on uh, Atelica, uh, on Avia Centaur, uh, Dimension Vista, and Dimension EXL. So there are actually four uh, sets, of, um, sets of products or tests uh, on these different platforms, and uh, each of those have, have gotten EUA approval. Right, right. And those are kind of re uh, references you made there to, to your immunoassay analyzers uh, that, that are uh, staples in labs uh, across the country. Um, okay. Um, yeah, the EU, EUA situation has been a really interesting one from a regulatory uh, perspective. Um, I just kind of wanted to finish off uh, by the, uh, the, the, the podcast, Deepak, and I, by the way, I really appreciate your time. This has been really fascinating. Um, you know, how, how you see the pandemic evolving, um, how you see Siemens' role in it, 
evolving um, as, as we go forward. You know, we all hope uh, that, um, you know, um, as states reopen um, and the economy reopens, that uh, we don't um, lose the gains uh, that we experience in terms of flattening the curve. But, uh, you know, how, how do you see the future evolving and, and the company's uh, role in it? Look, I think um, you know, we're, we've made great progress um, here recently. It's important that we sustain uh, that progress as we uh, reopen parts, uh, parts of the economy. Uh, I think it's clear that until we have a treatment or a set of treatments uh, or a vaccine or the virus somehow mutates away from us, um, uh, you know, we're going to have to find a way to live with this virus, um, even as we try to bring a measure of normalcy. And uh, here uh, we firmly believe uh, that testing uh, has a role to play uh, in order to, uh, you know, prevent as much as possible the spread of this virus and also on a targeted basis contain outbreaks uh, when they do occur. And at Health and Ears, we're absolutely committed to play our part in fighting this pandemic by bringing forward the type of tools that we believe uh, clinicians need. Uh, so we've got um, several other uh, products in development, um, you know, looking ahead to where um, this uh, pandemic might evolve. Uh, but bottom line, we see a great uh, societal need uh, and we see as Health and Ears, uh, well positioned to, to play our part, uh, and we're committed to doing that. Great, and, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing Siemens, you know, playing a a very large role uh, in the testing area moving forward. Okay, uh, that'll do it. Um, I want to again thank you, Deepak, for a fascinating interview. Thanks so much for your time. Mark, you're welcome, and thank you for having me on uh, the program. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing to it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that helps others discover the show. Okay. Uh, this has been Mark Iskowitz for Larry Dobrow signing off. We'll see you again on the MMNM podcast. Take care, everybody.